Are you looking for intellectual and personal enrichment, vocational development, or spiritual growth? Atlantic School of Theology offers a range of graduate and diploma programs as well as continuing education events. Learning opportunities via online, hybrid, and on-campus formats are all available, so you can study on campus in Halifax, Nova Scotia, or from anywhere in the world. For more information, visit astheology.ns.ca. Welcome to the Faith Forward podcast series. Faith Forward is a grassroots network dedicated to bringing together leaders of ministry with children, youth, and families for collaboration, resourcing, and inspiration toward innovative theology and practice. Through this series, we'll learn from creative, forward-thinking leaders who are pushing the boundaries and reimagining what it means to follow Jesus' way of love and justice today. Join us as we instigate a revolution of hope in our world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Faith Forward podcast. My name is Dave Sinis, and I'm founder of Faith Forward. And today's episode is sponsored by Atlantic School of Theology. Uh, AST is an ecumenical theological school in Nova Scotia, Canada, that serves Christ's mission by shaping effective and faithful, ordained and lay leaders and understanding among communities of faith. Today, I'm joined by a, a denominational faith formation leader, a scholar, and an author of a, a book called Holy Work with Children, the Reverend Dr. Tanya Marie Eustace Campin. Tanya, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, have this conversation with me. You're welcome. Thanks, David, for inviting me. I'm excited about the conversation. Uh, Tanya is an ordained deacon in the Rio, Texas Conference of the United Methodist Church. And she contributes to the vibrancy of the conference's faith formation work by serving as its director of intergenerational discipleship. She has a PhD from Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary. And it's that PhD work that this book came out of. Am I correct? That is correct. This is the what I tell people the fun, ver more interesting version of my dissertation and a summary of the research that I did while I was at Garrett. I have, well, and I've been wanting to have this conversation with you for a while um, because we kind of did our PhDs uh, in in parallel with each other um, at the same time, and both released books, you know, months apart, um, based on on our doctoral work, um, and both of our dissertations. Um, dove into the world of how children make theological meaning and and how you have theological conversations with children and, and how they express themselves um, theologically. So so I'm really excited to talk with you. Um, and I wonder if the best way to start is just to ask you to share a little bit about your work. So how did this come about? Um, why does the uh, the whole idea of, of making theological meaning with children uh, matter so much to you? Well, that's a great question. Um, I can say that this work, what sent me back to get my PhD was my work with children. I was engaged um, in ministry in the United Methodist Church. I had served as minister to children and families in different contexts, different size churches. And I just kept saying, children are teaching me things about God. Right. And I'm having a hard time getting adults to believe me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
And so it really came out of the wisdom in my conversations with children that I, I went back to school and I said, you know, maybe if, and my joke is always, maybe if I get more letters behind my name, people will believe me. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that's true, but what I know happened for me is it provided space for me to really reflect on my experiences with children, my conversations with children and to say, okay, God, what are you trying to tell us in the midst of this? And in and through that, God, what is the wisdom that we as adults can take back as we journey with children so that we can partner with them well as they mm-hmm. grow in their faith? Um, and so that's why I think the work was so important. At the time, um, I knew, you know, there are very few of us <laughs> doing yeah. this work. And I just felt like it was so important for the children's stories and the children's voices and the children's wisdom to be heard. Um, and so that's what really led me to this work. And I got to one like pivotal place in my studies at Garrett where I had a professor say, when I was really wrestling with like what my research would look like, what my dissertation would look like, you know how that goes. And, (laughs) um, I had, I had a professor say, well, it sounds like you need to go talk to the children. Oh, that's brilliant. Let's do that. So that's what I did. Well, I I love how like there are layers of theology within this work. I mean, on the one hand, yes, you know, you're talking about um, the theological lives of of children. You're talking with them about their theological ideas and the the theological meaning that they make. But even the way you're you're talking about it is deeply theological. Like this isn't just a research study. You are inviting God into this. This is it's it's in, in a way it's it's a research project and the result thereof, but it's also a spiritual practice um, that is not just beneficial for the children, but you're, you're saying, you know, the, the, the first person who benefited from it all was, was you in the process of, uh, and, and you just wanted to help other people to see that, hey, this is important and their voice matters to us. You don't, you don't name it as so much intergenerational, but in that way, it does really seem like an intergenerational practice based on the equality and honor and respect that you give to to children and their views. But that's a pretty radical thing sometimes in in our churches. As you say, you wanted to convince other people about it. So do you find that too in your your context that, that it is a little bit of a minority perspective to say, you know, these children are actually not just learning from us, but they have wisdom to, to teach us as well? Absolutely. I mean, I think in some ways, when you look at the large approach, the the greater approach to faith formation, right? There's this, I run into this, um, this thought that um, banking pedagogy, where we have to like give people the wisdom and give people faith and get right. And so, and yet at the same time, when I start having these conversations with people and when people read my book, they're like, oh yeah, this is what this is what I've experienced. This is what I know. I just wasn't able to really express it. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of a both and where overarchingly, when you look at how folks are approaching faith formation, at least in my context, it's from an older model understanding, pedagogical understanding um, approach. But when you really start to talk to people about, well, help me understand what it's been like as you've taught children and sat with children, they're like, oh, yeah, it's more like, you know, us having a conversation and us learning and growing together. And so I appreciated you naming the intergenerational aspect of it. Um, 
there's a reason so much of my work right now is intergenerational. And I think it's because, you know, this whole, my experience with experiences with children have shown me like this applies in some, in different ways to people, no matter how old they are, like God is, if you know, theologically, if God is at work in our lives from the very beginning, then God's going to show up. Um, when we pay attention to one another, it doesn't matter how old we are. It, you know, God shows up differently. Um, right. And the language is different that we use. Um, maybe that we have access to. Um, yeah. Maybe. And the practices. Sometimes, yeah, maybe, sometimes right? not. Sometimes adults need just as simple language as, as children need as, but, but not less meaningful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We find our own ways to vocalize that. Yeah. Um, and to express what we're experiencing and then to say, and what I appreciate mostly about the children that I work with, it's always, it never stops there. It's always, and how do we respond? Yeah. And what do we do next? So that's the beauty of, of that work, I think. It, it strikes me as, as you're saying all that, that um, it's not, like you're definitely responding to a certain uh, challenge or problem or tendency within ministry with children. And we could say youth too. Um, and families that there's this almost this hierarchical someone has the wisdom or the knowledge or the the right theology and it has to be taught to the young person um and you're saying no 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 like sure let's say there's a place for that at times but so too there's a place for just having the conversation and wondering together and being curious together um but as much as as both of our work focuses on young people, uh, it, it seems to be something with adults as well. As, as you've said, like it really kind of is spans different generations because for a lot of the past while, ministry has been very tenaciously, uh, or faith formation has been very tenaciously focused on um, growth through certainty or through knowledge or through um, the acquisition of information, not the creation of open-ended meaning together. So in that way, I, I love the way you foreground children, that this isn't a how to do children's ministry. This isn't how to do faith formation. This is a, a particular way of understanding who children are and the, the place that they have within the, our communal life of faith. Um, and, and you name it as, uh, I was very struck by how you name it as a practical theology and ministry with children. Because I've, I've read practical theologies of children and ministry. Um, you know, I use the term ministry with children instead of two and four. Um, but but a practical theology with children is, is one of those like, of course, how come I've never heard this idea before? So what, what does that mean to you that this is a practical theology and ministry with children? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, I, I giggle because I, I think I talk in my book about um, how this practical theology developed mm-hmm. and the questions that I brought to the project and um, the curiosity and the wonder. Um, and, and in that, it, my, my, underst- my theological understanding, this method, this approach to doing theology was shaped and formed by my conversations with children. And so right. it, I would not be real or authentic if I didn't name their participation 
not only as conversation partners, but wisdom bringers to mm-hmm. helping me understand, you know, how they make meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it, it was more of coming alongside and saying, you know, help me understand, help me learn, help me know um, how God is working in your lives. And that through, the, through those conversations, um, I was able to start to see those threads. It was like, oh, I think this might be right. Might be right. how, oh. <laughs> how we can do this work together that we're all doing practical theology together that mm. um, we're all making meaning. And like I said earlier, that the kids then say, and now what do we do? I mean, that's practical theology. Yeah. It's like, we've come to this awareness, this new discovery, this new understanding. And now how is it going to shape our, how we show up in the world? How's it going right. to show up our faith, shape our faithful practice? So, that so that's really what, what it means for me. Yeah. The so what question. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, I mean, it reminds me of um, Richard Osmer's uh, idea of, uh, you know, that the book he wrote uh, 15 years ago now called Practical Theology and this kind of fourfold method he has of, you know, like what's going on? Why is it going on? What should be going on? And how do we respond? I mean, I've, I've heard all of those questions asked implicitly in how you're talking about the work that, that you've done. Like, these are the questions we can be asking with, with young people as well um but especially to that that idea of so what like what do we what do we do with this i think that's something that i wish i had thought about more in my own work um up until this point this this you know, well this is all great for formation initiatives and, and all of that but what about our work as christians in the world like how does you know forget us as as leaders with these young people what about them as young people so like they're making all this this fantastic meaning with us and having conversations with us, but but so what? Um, what does it do, and what what should it accomplish? Can you say more about that and and how you've seen that play out in in your conversations and um, and in in other conversations you've had you've had with other leaders, maybe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first I would say I think that my um, attention to that idea of transformation and praxis um, really comes out of my faith tradition, being United Methodist, you know, mm-hmm. um, we talk a lot about making disciples for the transformation of the world. Like there's, that's mm-hmm. kind of been ingrained. And also with my theological lens as it's a process relational liberation theologian, this idea that we're moving, we're working alongside God for the beatific vision for, you know, making the world better. And so it's kind of innate in me to kind of ask those questions. And when children started asking those questions, I think I just tuned in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, how I've seen that. I think a lot about, um, all the children I've been in ministry with, but specifically those that participated in this research project. Um, my oldest has, hopefully my prayer is that they've graduated from high school and that they are now a young adult. And I wonder about them a lot. Um, what are they doing? How are they making a difference? Um, but when I think about them as children, like that's how I knew them. It amazed me to see just in our, the circle of where we did our work together, like how they showed up differently, how they treated one another, how over time they began to listen to each other and respect one another. And in so doing, they asked for respect from adults. Um, It was interesting because when I was 
I did um, participatory action research where I went yeah. back to the children and I said, this is what I've learned. Help me know what I got right. Help me know what's missing. And when I presented the research back to them, one of my children um, said to me, like, I really like how you um, acknowledge that we all learn differently hmm. and we all show up differently. I wish my teachers understood that. Wow. <laughs> um, and so those are the little things I started to see. Um, but I do wonder like, where are they now and what are they doing and how is Christ's light continuing to shine in and through them? Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, I feel like I, I jumped right into the, the, the heart and soul of, of your, your work, but I want to back up a little bit and talk about some of the kind of core assumptions on which it rests. And, and I mean, the first is on the one hand, it's the most obvious and it's like the, of course, but, but really it is quite, radical and and um uh, kind of countercultural in how we do ministry and that's that children are theologians what what does it mean that children are theologians in your perspective that's a really great question i think for me there it's the recognition first beginning that god is active in their lives and that the way that our brains work from the very beginning, um, we're making meaning out of that. And for me, that's what theology is, is making right. meaning out of God's presence. Um, and there are some assumptions in that, right? And um, I laugh too. And I think I name, I name in my writing, I think it's in the book maybe about, you know, here I am, I have a PhD and I'm still wrestling yeah. with my theology. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I like to think I'm more clear most days than I was, you know, 10 years ago. Um, but I feel like there's still questions I'm asking and, and seeking answers to. And it's, it's that idea of, you know, Miliori, um, faith seeking understanding and who do I know in my life that does that so well, but children, yeah. um, from, um, a, a space of, trying to think about which word I want to use. I want to make sure I'm careful with my language. Um, it's not always innocent. So people use that word, but from this openness mm -hmm. and this sense of wonder and curiosity that I think in, invites them into the theological work in a different way than mm. um, I engage in it now as a 43 year old with a PhD. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. um, and there's something refreshing about that for me. So you know, original question, you know, what does it mean to be a theologian? For me, it's, it's faith seeking understanding. It's how yeah. we make meaning of God's presence in our lives and how that impacts how we show up in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of that, the question that you use just to open the first chapter where you tell, there's a little vignette um, uh, of, of when you were uh, serving as a children's minister at a, at a United Methodist church and uh, a boy asking you, um, how do I know I believe in God? I mean, that is a profound question. And as a professional trained theologian, I, I don't know how I would answer that. I mean, you you, you talk about how you responded to, to him with, with openness and curiosity and, and encouraging him to, you know, not that there is one right answer, but, but uh, you know, when he's experienced God and when he's felt God's presence. Um, but that's a profound question that is a question worth everyone's time and attention and thought and a conversation among people, no matter who you are, what um, walk of life or age um, you're, you're 
what whatever age you might be. Um, so there is this. You, you're right. Innocence isn't the right word, um, but I, but I think I get what you're what you're aiming for. I, I, sometimes I use the word unfettered. I don't know. Like I think of of David Hay, who who in his book with Rebecca and I talks about the the adult worlds of our lives being more destructive to spirituality than than helpful. And so it, it's not this naivety in a sense, but there is this naturalness to it that is less encumbered, maybe, I don't know, by the the, the world in which young people are, are growing up. Um, and in that way, they may be the best theologians we have at our disposal and the best models for, for how to do this, this theological work. But it's not easy to, to do this. You know, going back to that story uh, that you, you opened the book with, when I was reading it again this morning, I was thinking of, uh, I was struck by kind of how you depict his, the boy's parents' responses. Uh, I, I'm not, these aren't the words you're using, but, uh, but it almost seemed like they were a little disappointed that you didn't have kind of unanswered for the boy. Uh, am I reading that right? I think so. Um, yeah, there was, you know, the sense of, there was a lot going on, I think in those five or 10 minutes, I don't even remember anymore, but there was a sense of urgency. Um, you know, now as a parent, I understand there's a sense of like anxiety too, mm-hmm. of, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Help me, somebody help me. Right. Um, and here I was just engaging in conversation and not providing, like, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to, I'm going to give you, right. I'm going to give you the answer. Everybody, everything's going to be fixed. Um, all will be well. There'll be no more questions. Um, almost like resetting a dislocated shoulder, right? Like, okay, it's back. You're good. It's back. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there is this, you know, as I journey with families, um, and people who love the children in their lives, like, Sometimes there is this fear, if you will, that like, what if, what if they don't believe? What if they don't have the faith I do? Right, like this, and 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 this almost responsibility to, again, going back to like I have to give them the faith, or, or yeah, they're gonna wander. Um, so that's not what you're asking, but I, I think that's kind of all what was wrapped. I'm presuming a lot of that was wrapped up in there. So, oh yeah. Um, I think you know when I when I think back to it, it's been so many years, I don't even really remember processing what the parents were probably mm-hmm. thinking for better or worse. Um, I was more just, I think in involved in the holy moment with this child and um, going, Oh goodness, like, how do I mm-hmm. answer this? And, and I was fighting with my own, like, what's the right answer and how do I, um, provide wisdom that the child could receive and hold on to. Like I was fighting with my own stuff in that yeah. short conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So right. how did the parents feel? I, I don't know. Um, but my hope is that maybe I modeled like what we do when we get these big questions yeah. um, and we don't have an answer and how do we engage in, in conversation in a way that affirms the question yeah. and says, you know what, no matter what questions you ask, I'm going to be here yeah. and I'm not always going to be able to fix it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, but well, we can journey together. Yeah. What, what I love about that story though, is it's so multi-layered about the complexity of 
this kind of work and the work of ministry with young people. Because on the one hand, you know, so so it's the story of these parents who are bringing this boy to you to ask this because he has this deep existential question that you, as the children's minister, are, are, they they want you to you know, they think you're able to respond to it in a way that they can't. You can almost assuage his, his uncertainty about that. Um, so on the one hand, you have this child who, who is asking this crucial, deeply profound, unanswerable question in a lot of ways. And on the other hand, you have, as you said, like these, th this kind of parental anxiety of, I don't know what to do. I'm not saying this was happening in that moment, but I've come across families and ministers who work with families who, you know, parents might parents might be unsure if these kind of questions are even a sign of strong faith. You know, for for decades it has been children's ministry is you know here's the Bible story and here's the point and here's a song and here's a here's a a game and and a snack and everything fits together to get that one point of that one little Bible story across. And if you've learned that point and you can repeat it back, we're good. Um, and this is a totally different way of doing children's ministry. And I think it's one that's more life-giving and more um, appropriately um, focused on the realities of, of the lives of those children and the way that they are making theological meaning, whether or not we're giving them points to, to memorize. But there is that parental anxiety of, should they know should we have an answer to this? Should my child be asking this question? What is the answer? Um, so you've got the child, you've got the parents. And as a children's minister, we could say a youth minister, a family minister, intergenerational minister, um, you're accountable to your parish or your, your congregation, your faith community. You're accountable to if there's a senior leadership. If you're a senior minister and you're, and you're doing this as well, you're still accountable to your congregation. All of this to say, <laughs> how do we start to do this work, whatever position we're, we may be in? Mm -hmm. What advice do you have for people who want to start doing this work, but need to do it delicately because of these layers of accountability that they have in mm -hmm. their work and in, and in their calling as ministry leaders? That's a great question. And I've thought about this a lot because I know my book doesn't provide a like step one, step two, step three, step four. And that's on purpose. And that's what um, I love about it. <laughs> there are no steps. There's no steps. So yeah. I apologize. Don't apologize um, yeah, right. for that. Um, but I also recognize like the, um, the reality of what you're describing and the difficulty. And so the first thing I tell folks, if there were to be steps, maybe, um, is like really just sit back and observe, like take a balcony view of what you're already doing and what's already mm -hmm. happening in your context and say, oh, you know what? <laughs> yeah, I, I name in my book several tools that help children and adults do this work. You know, one of yeah. them is story. Okay, let's just take a balcony look and go, oh, this is where I'm already doing story. Right. Oh, okay, cool, check. Um, and celebrate that. Or this is where I'm already seeing children or people of all ages asking questions of one another. Um, so you start by just kind of recognizing like you're not starting um, without anything. Like you want right. to just celebrate what you're, I, I pay attention, identify what you're doing and celebrate what you're doing well. And then you just kind of like 
find like small ways um, to start implementing some of these ideas and possibilities. I mean, I, I joke with just for wondering, for example, um, a lot of this came out of my godly play training mm-hmm. and, you know, people joke with me all the time. They, they joke that, well, Tanya is the one who's going to ask, I wonder about everything. Um, and it's kind of true. It's become a joke, but it's kind of true now, but I wasn't always that way. Right. I, I, you know, there was a time when I was a very literal, like, yeah. uh, thinker, the model of children's ministry you described, I did that very well. I think. Oh yeah. Me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so after I went to godly play training, I remember having to practice. And so I would just look for little moments, little moments to practice. If somebody asked me a question, I'd say, well, I wonder what you think, or I wonder um, how God shows up in your life. Or I went, you know, I would, I, I just find little moments to practice. And so it slowly became part of who I was. So I wasn't trying to change a system. Yeah. Um, at first I was, trying to change how I showed up with children because I right. could control that. Right. Um, and I remember having some conversations with parents when I first then moved and introduced godly play to a congregation for the first time. And there was some real pushback because they were like, mm-hmm. I exactly what you're naming. Like there's just all this wondering and there's no answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I helped them. Then I said, well, let's point to where they might find some examples of answers, like where else in their world, you know, if we're doing this wondering in this hour every week, um, you know, where are some other places that we're providing, we're modeling how somebody shares how they understand God to be at work. You know, maybe it's in the sermon, maybe um, it's in the Bible stories you're reading at home, but so helping recognize that it's not an all or nothing approach. And so you just start by working on how I started by working on how I show up with children and modeling that and then, you know, integrating it into my volunteer training. And um, then as I was choosing curriculum, finding curriculum that kind of fit that model a little bit better, that at least there was a space for wondering, or there was a space for um, children getting to choose their own work and how they want to respond. There's lots of, I don't know if I'm answering the question. There's just, there's lots of different ways, but it's not, I'm not asking people to change their system, which going back to the question of like that people are paying attention <laughs> um, to the work you're doing so that it's not this complete shock. Right. It's you're slowly, mo- you're doing it. So you're modeling it for others to see um, in a way that over time it becomes part of who you are. And then it, yeah. in it flows into your culture and, yeah yeah and it's not an everything all the time kind of thing like when you were naming like where do people get the 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 those kind of answers or that the, the less the less the wondering and more the I don't want to say certainty but more the security of um a, a concrete response um I mean, I think of the creed, right? And and it's an I believe in God, not an I wonder about God. I mean, sure, we can have a, yeah. wouldn't it be great to have a creed that was, <laughs> I wonder about God and I wonder about the Holy Spirit and I wonder about this church. Um, yeah, I like it. <laughs> all right, let's patent that right now. Um, right. But there is, there is space for that elsewhere. And I think that that reminder is really helpful. I mean, even for, for me and my own work, just to think about, um, this doesn't need to be everything all the time, but it does need to be something sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's that opening up 
spaces. And, and I guess we have to be really savvy to, to and, and as you said, just kind of take that balcony view as to where are the spaces where we're doing this stuff and how do we kind of capitalize on that? How do we take that good work we're already doing and, and do more of it in more intentional ways? I also really like the idea that you that you're saying like you had to practice it um, because it's not, especially like I was trained the same way. It sounds like we could have been ministry partners back in the day. Yeah. Um, and, and all, you know, I, I was engaged in children's ministry um, in ways that I do not advocate for now and thought I was doing really good work. And, and maybe I was, who knows? Um, but it, it did take um, a, an ongoing journey that is continuing to unfold to um, find different approaches and to to experiment with different approaches and and find what works best for my gifts um, in and and the theological ideas that I hold um, about children and, and young people and and their theological lives. Um, so it's not going to happen overnight, and it is a it is an ongoing process. And your book is a helpful companion um, on that journey. Um, what about for, for parents, if, if, uh, you know, we're both parents of young children, um, what, what does that mean for, for us? How do we perhaps as parents support this work in our local churches, but also how do we support it in the lives of um, our own kids? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, cause I did, I wrote this before I had my own children, right. um, I finished it right after my first was born. Um, and I remember cause this, the book came out right after shutdown in summer of 2020 yeah. and, um, right. No summer 2021. Sorry. I was writing it during that time. Yeah. Um, and I remember saying the first interview I did like this is, you know, you realize that once it's published, you're like, Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> How much um, is it going to cost to edit this chapter for, pe- right. for previous printings? <laughs> exactly. And, and my, my, Oh goodness was, I spent so much time focusing about what happens in the walls of a church or in a faith mm-hmm. community. And now we're at a place where we really need to be saying, how are we equipping and supporting families um, mm-hmm. in this work? And so I, I, what I can say is I don't have any answers yet, but that's kind of where my research is now turning, which is yeah. exciting to me. Yeah. Um, but with that, as a parent, I, I think I take the same approach um, in terms of just practicing. Right. And I have a very, very curious three-year-old and very mm-hmm. verbal three-year-old. <laughs> um, and so he gives me lots of opportunities to kind of, to, to kind of practice. And, and there's days where I'm like, well, that didn't work. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to redo that one. Yeah. Um, so I, I think helping, I think one of the biggest things we can be doing to help parents, caregivers, those who are raising children, um, lots of grace, yeah. lots of love, lots of encouragement, because we're all practicing. Um, one of my favorite books on children and worship many years ago uh, was done by James Ritchie. It's called always in rehearsal. There's mm-hmm. lots of, lots of tidbits in that book. It's, it's older, but one of the things I took away from that book is like, we're all practicing. Like, yeah. um, it's not a performance. And so if we can give each other grace um, and so, and I think then the church's job is or an opportunity for faith communities is 
how do we come alongside and mo- model some possibilities and encourage, encourage brave, um, encourage them to try. And it's for me, you know, and when we can go into all kinds of things in terms of how to do family faith formation, that might be another episode. But I think what I want to say today is really like lots of grace, lots of encouragement and, and lots of courage on the caregiver's part, mm-hmm. just say, you know, we're going to, we're going to try this and we're going to, we're going to see how it goes and what mm-hmm. we learn from it and what our children teach us. And we're going to find our own rhythm. Um, and that's what I've discovered as a parent is we're finding our own rhythm Yeah. and I haven't found perfect yet. So maybe you have, maybe, you know, oh, maybe gosh. you're a little bit ahead of me, no <laughs> but way. I haven't no found way. it yet. <laughs> no, every day is a rehearsal and some days we hit our cues and other days we don't. Thank you so much. I think that's a beautiful way to, to, to end our conversation or at least hit pause on it for now. Um, I'm really grateful for your work. Um, I, I, look forward to hearing more about it and seeing where it goes as you're exploring um, with a focus more for for families in a way as well um, and how this connects to intergenerational stuff and your work there's there's so many different points of connection thank you for uh taking the time to sit down and talk with me about it um, and thank you to atlantic school of theology for uh, sponsoring this episode um, if you are listening and you loved what you heard and you are curious and you are wondering uh, about um, all the other details that are in uh, Tanya's work, then definitely check out Holy Work with Children, Making Meaning Together. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Faith Forward podcast series. If you want to learn more from creative thinkers and innovative leaders, be sure to subscribe or visit faith-forward.net.